And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back to another spooky Halloween, October special party time, VIP extravaganza celebration party time TM episode. Yes, we are so excited to have you on our second installment of our spooky wookie fun time party town extravaganza VIP you know, everything Katie just said, Halloween episode, TM. So as you can probably tell by the episode title, we've got another haunted story for you today. If you guys listened to our episode last week, we talked about the haunted Hoosack Tunnel in Massachusetts, which was great. That was a very fun episode for us to do. Um, we had a lot of fun researching, a lot of fun talking about it. And this case... While it does also involve some hauntings, it is still a little fun because who doesn't love a ghost story? Absolutely, especially a historical ghost story. And I didn't know until I heard about this case, but it actually is the first documented haunting and the first documented ghost story in the United States. And as if New England couldn't get any cooler. It makes sense that we would have... That, considering we're the oldest, like, area in America? Absolutely. But nonetheless, still pretty cool. And her story is a little interesting. That's for sure. Now, guys, I can understand why some people maybe would want to skip over these episodes, because ghosts aren't for everyone. I'm talking personally. I am a massive skeptic. I do not believe in ghosts (laughs) at all. So this is kind of ironic. Like, I am just not a ghost person. I'm not a UFO person, I'm not a Bigfoot person, I'm not a Sasquatch person, I'm not a whatever person. So it's always very interesting for me to talk about these things because I'm sitting here telling you this story and I don't believe a word of it. But does that even matter? And it's so funny too, I feel like every time we do a case like this or one that has a haunted, spooky element, Liz, you're like, I'm a skeptic, I don't believe a word of it, and I'm here like... I've seen Mm -hmm. ghosts. I've seen shit that you can't explain. I'm a full believer. I'm a believer in all of the above. So I think it's so Mm -hmm. funny. It adds a certain dynamic. I agree. To our production. Because like you said, you have seen things. You used to work in a nursing home on night shift. You also used to work at an old, creaky psychiatric facility on night shift. So you've seen the shapes and the spooks. And the, you know, and you've gone to abandoned houses and yeah. all the stuff. I think, and you know, what I was thinking on my way here to record with you today, Katie. The only slightly paranormal encounters I've ever had involved you in some way, mm-hmm. and only one of them was slightly paranormal. The other two were just, I think, coincidental. And that would be again all with you. And I know you know what I'm thinking of. Because as soon as I said that, your face lit up like a Christmas tree. I was going to say the same thing, I think. Most likely. The only time I feel as I've ever experienced anything that could remotely be a ghost, but because I'm a skeptic, I think it was just really funny coincidence, was when we were taking pictures 
for our first anniversary of our true crime New England. I don't even think it was our anniversary. It was like our first set of pictures. Yeah, for the podcast to use for like the website and Instagram and stuff. Right. It was like the first month we started. We did these pictures in a cemetery. And I can't even remember. You probably remember better than I do, Katie. But you were taking pictures of me in front of like a gazebo. And what did I say? We had passed... Well, we passed gravestones, obviously. We were in a cemetery. But we passed one in particular, and it was a little itty-bitty one of a child. Mm. And it was next to his parents, and I can't remember his name. I think it was, like... Something generic. Theodore Mm. or Timmy or something. And there there was something... There was a chipmunk sitting on the top of his gravestone in particular. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, what if that's... Or I think you were like, oh, what if that's the spirit of... The ghost or yeah. something, Timmy. And then <laughs> I was like, yeah, that'd be so crazy. I, you know, animals are really drawn to children and that makes sense. And, you know, I wonder if Timmy took the form of the chipmunk to just watch us and sure. you know, see what we're going to do. And right. we're not going to, Timmy, we're not going to cause you any harm. We're just here <laughs> taking pictures. LMAO. We're not going to step on your grave site. Like, every, hope everything's good. Yeah. Hope the afterlife's treating you well. Yeah. And then I'm taking pictures of Liz. Do, do, do. Like, yeah, Liz, that's so beautiful. You look amazing. And then Liz goes... Timmy, if you're here right now, send us a sign or something like that. Yeah, something silly. I was just kidding. And then no sooner had those words left your mouth. I don't even think my mouth had stopped forming the sentence. No, it was immediate. Yeah. Massive branch fell from the tree right in front of us and like clattered through the leaves. Yeah. It was crazy. It was like between us. Yeah. It was huge. It was like, yes. there was no wind that I recall nope. that like would have just... It was just, hot out. We were sweating. Yeah. It was, it was July. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just fell. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to prompt it. We had been standing in that area for quite some time. It wasn't like it had been shaking from squirrels or whatever. All of a sudden, as soon as I said that, bam, it fell. And we both looked at each other. And for a minute, I knew that you could see the fear in my eyes of like, you're right. You're right. You've been right this whole time, Katie King. And it was just really fucking creepy because I was like, I think I just, I literally said this. I was like, I think I accidentally just summoned a ghost. Mm -hmm. It was real creepy. But then we had to remind ourselves that if I did, it was a child and it was all in jest Mm -hmm. and that it was, we were saying good things, but you were not having it. You were not as, um, I was like, time to go. Yeah. You weren't, um, you didn't think it was as funny as I did. I thought it was kind of hilarious, but that's because I'm a skeptic. Right. But it also made me feel a little nervous because I was like, whoa, that was weird. Admittedly, that was weird. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I felt a little spirit, like, whoa, was the next time we took pictures. It was about like, I don't know, three weeks after my grandma died. And we have this thing where she joked when she first got diagnosed with breast cancer that she wanted to get, like, for radiation and cancer patients, they usually do, like, a tattoo, like, a very small tattoo to, like, pinpoint where they want to do radiation. And she joked that she wanted to do a ladybug for hers. I don't know why. She's just being, she was cutie. And so me and my cousins were all like, oh, maybe we'll all get, like, ladybug tattoos for her. Oh, so cute, you know. And then you and I were taking pictures. Again, you were taking my picture. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I felt something. And there was a ladybug on my leg. And I was like, yo, that's fuck. That's my grandma right fucking there. And I didn't have my phone on me. Your phone was also in the camera bag. And 
like you didn't have your camera like we were just moving locations right it was oh so God, weird right. mm-hmm. i remember that because i had just put everything in the bag yep. and you were walking out of not even the brush yeah like on a trail yeah and it wasn't like you brushed up against long grass or against a tree and the bug just kind of crawled onto you Mm -hmm. it flew intentionally and landed on you yes and it was on my leg the whole time you were like i was like katie 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 get my phone get my phone right now katie 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 and you were like okay come on come on and you were like trying to be real stealthy and you know quiet and calm but also quick and then by the time you got anything to take a picture it literally like you were like turning your body to take it it flew away Mm -hmm. and i was like you little, you little trickster, you. And I just, I had a feeling it was her because it had been very recent and she was all I was thinking about like constantly. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. But is that ghostly or is that spiritual? That's kind of like tying the line. Same, same realm. You know? Same realm, definitely. And then the, the only other time I felt that was when I was leaving recording with you. And I was driving from your apartment and it was dark. It was probably like 11 at night. It was very dark. I was driving home and I had had a bad day, not with you, but like in general. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about my grandma and my dog. And at the beginning of my drive, I said, man, I just need a sign. Like I'm having a really rough, rough time. I'm blackjack, Grammy. I miss you. Like I need something. And then, you know, it's like a 50 minute drive home. And so I was driving and like maybe like 20 minutes later, I was just driving and all of a sudden the shooting star and I was like, that 1000% was my doggy and my grandma. Without a doubt. And I just knew it. And I started crying because I was like, that was so fucking weird. Because I've seen like two shooting stars in my life. And I was like, what are the chances that I just said, I need something like, I need a sign. It was maybe like three, four months after I lost both of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need something. And then I was like, whoa, what was, what was that? Mm-hmm. That was not... I had to like slap my face. I was like, that, did I just imagine it's late? I've been driving a while. Like, what's going on? And I was like, no fucking way. That was definitely like, I saw that without a doubt. That was real. And those again, spiritual, ghostly, eh, kind of goes hand in hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. But to me, those are the only experiences I've had and they've happened in the past two years. And with you, yep. uh oh, my whole life, shit like that just. And now that I'm working in hospice. Oh, God. And like, and so many people will say to their dying loved one or their loved one will say to them, when I die, I'm going to come back and visit you as mm. insert animal or butterfly here. Right. And I way too many stories of, yeah. oh, yeah, this this one patient told me that, and this isn't me particular, but mm-hmm. I've just heard this from other nurses, like, this one patient told me that he's going to come back as this really specific kind of butterfly. Mm-hmm. And she said this butterfly a couple weeks after he died was just like flew right in front of her and was sitting there. Oh. And then it's not really a butterfly species that's around this area at that time oh. or really ever. That's so weird. And then it's just like crazy shit. Like lights will flicker mm-hmm. inside a patient's room when they're right. dying or outside in the hallway. Right. Or if they're in a nursing home, somewhere in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, that patient will pass usually within two days. Right. Just crazy, crazy shit. Just because right. I feel like I've always worked in like dementia care. There's a yes. lot of psych in that. Yes. Death, psych in general. There's going to yes. be a lot of spiritual stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of spooky. Mm-hmm. And then hospice especially. Right. 
Oh yeah, you yeah. definitely you have a lot more opportunity to see that. Yeah, you do. You really do. And meanwhile, I think the reason why I don't believe as much is because I do not have that. Again, as we've talked about, I work in labor and delivery. Like yeah. I, I am the opposite <laughs> of that. And while sometimes yes, babies die, you know, like they're still not that same like president mm-hmm. as like. There and is- I think it's also too like. Just experiences that I've had even before I was working and like shit that my mom's told me. Like I've mm-hmm. always been spiritual and like a believer. So I think that I'm more, oh, this happened and you can't explain it. It's related to like spooky spiritual right. as opposed to right. I don't believe in that. There has to be a scientific explanation. Right. Guys, the stories I wish Katie could tell you, the ones I've heard from her from nursing homes and oh my God. They are so good. <laughs> if you don't believe them, fine. Like, I don't... Like, I do. They're just really entertaining. Like, they're they're fascinating. Like, oh my god. They're really interesting. And they do make you think, like, maybe she's right. Like, I believe you saw these things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, um, what the fuck? I've seen some crazy shit. Yeah. So, which is why I think today our episode <laughs> is like... It kind of ties into like how you can be skeptical and you can be whatever, but sometimes when there's more people involved, how hard is it to dispute that, you know? Now, our our episode today takes place a long time ago, so the only thing we really have is written documentation, which is reliable, but there was a lot of people seeing this particular ghost. Yeah, I think over a hundred. Yeah, over a hundred people confirmed right. that they saw this ghostly presence. Right, which I think is either the single most documented ghost or one of the single most yes. documented ghost stories. Absolutely, and at the time, it definitely was. Yeah. So it's very interesting, and even if you are a skeptic like me, who is literally telling it to you, I recommend you stick around because it's pretty fascinating. And if nothing else, we're good storytellers why we have 114 episodes of this podcast and mild success. So stick around because it's definitely worth listening to. And without further ado, today we will be covering The The Haunting Haunting of Nellie Butler. Katie, it's spooky, it's wooky, it's time. And even though I'm a skeptic, I'm not skeptical of your ability to give me your sources. Thank you. You're welcome. Go ahead. It's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. That's really sad, <laughs> if that is true. Because I've said it. I feel like I've complimented you plenty. Just kidding. But okay. you're great. You are great at what you do. Oh, thank you. I think you're better at what you do. Oh, stop it. Stop it. We're not now, Katie. We're, in, we're doing a podcast. It's not the time to flirt. I had information from NewEngland.com. American Ghost Walks, SullivanSorrentoHistory.org, NewEnglandFolklore.blogspot.com, WGME.com, and TumbleweedStripod.com. We have a lot of different sources today. Oh, good. This is fantastic. That's awesome. I had an article from the Strange Company blog, Strange New England, Shelby County Today, I also use Tumbleweed's tripod, the Yankee chef, whatever that means. I also use something that was written by someone back 
at this time, and we'll talk about him. And it's a very long title, but it is called Immortality Proved by the Testimony of Sense, in which is contemplated the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter addressed to the candor of this enlightened age. Damn. Yeah, they were really wordsy back then. Wow. Oh, and another piece of information, you guys. We have some local podcast friends, Homegrown Horror. Yes. They do stories out of Maine, specifically. And they've also, you know, they cover true crime. They do a lot of haunted stuff. A lot of the episodes they do are very Halloween all year round, which, of course, I can appreciate. Sure. They've done a couple episodes on different cryptids in Maine. I didn't know there were multiple, so that's really cool. And they also do bonus episodes where they watch horror movies and discuss them and, like, their thoughts. Cool. Really, really cool. So, again, Homegrown Horror. Check them out wherever you like to listen. Yeah, nice. We're buddies with them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of fun content. And even if you're a skeptic like me, you can still get a lot of joy from that stuff. Absolutely. 100%. So, definitely give them a listen. They're definitely worth it. Let us start with just a little basic, a little basic background on what we're talking about today. So obviously, stories of ghosts, people seeing ghosts, hearing ghosts, feeling ghosts, have been around forever, for such a long time, whether it be ghosts, spirits, however they present themselves, even as far back as the Native Americans and passing down stories vocally with, you know, smoke, whatever. Like, there's always been something, you know? It's as long as there have been stories to tell. Absolutely. Uh, there's probably even longer than we could even know back with cavemen, and that maybe that maybe even is some of the drawings on the caves. Who knows? However, there is one story of a certain specter, as you said, Katie, known as America's first ghost. And that maybe is true. It's probably not, as we know. But that is the story of Nellie Butler, who is from Maine, of all places, as exciting as that is. And she lives in infamy as America's first ghost, even though she probably isn't. So that is who we're going to be talking about today. And she's pretty famous because, well, she was a ghost. She was probably one of the first that was super documented. She was also, like, super chatty, which was very uncharacteristic for ghosts at this time and all times. And she made herself, like, super known. She was always, like... Over here! And she almost reminds me of, like, a lecturer. She was always hosting groups of people. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So, real quick. Nellie Hooper was born in 1774 to David and Joanna Hooper. She was one of seven children. She grew up in the small towns of Maine. More on the coast, in the middle of Maine, near Bar Harbor, that area. Small working-class family. She was just living. She was young, pretty. We have no pictures of her. She was described as pretty. You know, she was just a woman. That really is all we know about her. That is until she meets her eventual husband, George. George's dad, Moses Butler, actually played a large role in settling this big town that they were in. It was called Franklin, Maine. He owned a sawmill, not super wealthy, but well off. George grew up to be a sea captain, and that's pretty romantic, you know? Sure. Oh, exploring the uncharted, off at sea, so lonely. If only he had a 
fair maiden to come home to for some stability on land. Right, I long for him, and I'm always by the sea calling his name. Stuff like that, you know? She's always got the long, wispy, you know, dresses, and her arms are crossed. She's wi- she's waiting on the shore for him. Her hair's in a bonnet, but the sea breeze is blowing tendrils out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's cold. She has... You can see her ankles, but only because the wind is blowing. Her, she's pale. She's very pale. But her cheeks are rosy from the sea breeze. Absolutely. And she's missing her husband. You can't hear it out loud, but you can hear her thoughts, and she's just saying, Oh, George, when will you come home to me? <laughs> Did any of that happen? Probably not. But I like the idea. After the two married, they moved on to Butler Point in Franklin, Maine still, and they shared a large plot of land. Butler Point is not an official point. It was more so the Butler property that was also a point as it looked over the water. Sure. So that was what it was called. It was on this land that they began working to start their family, and soon Nellie became pregnant. Which is, you know, the natural next steps for a family back then. Birth control definitely didn't exist. (laughs) And, you know, they probably... You know, were romantic the first time they got married. And it was like very soon after they got married that Nellie fell pregnant. And it was very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Sure. The birth of their son was incredibly difficult for both Nellie and the baby. Where they were in a pretty, you know, the town was sizable, but it wasn't like there were hospitals or healthcare or soap and water for hand washing. Or maybe there was a midwife, but maybe she was a horse ride away and it was three o'clock in the morning and all she had were herbs and right. it really was not a good situation to be giving birth in. Right. Unfortunately, the baby boy died shortly after he was born yeah. and Nellie passed away herself a day later. Unfortunately, this is pretty typical for moms before like 1962. Sadly, <laughs> I made that number up, but seriously, a lot of times in historical you know, we talked about these historical stories and healthcare period was not good, but maternal mortality and infant mortality was very high back then due to a lot of things we did not know about that we know about now, preeclampsia, postpartum hemorrhage, shoulder dystocia, a whole bunch of things that we can treat now, but back then you were on your own. Absolutely. You were expected to give birth at home on the floor. Like that was it. And which is fine and everything, except that's why so many people died. AKA, go to the hospital to have your babies, people. Do not do a home birth. Anyway, go on, Katie. The two were buried in separate unmarked graves overlooking the bay, and George began his grieving process. It's very tragic to lose your wife and your baby at the same time. Heartbreaking. It's terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. And this is kind of where things start to get a little spooky, as you may say. And maybe a little skeptical, if you want to play it by my way. But still interesting. Keep up with me, guys. 15-year-old Lydia Blaisdell lived in the area in Machiasport, Maine, and spent her days picking wool with her older sister in the basement of their home. Mm. Their parents, Abner and Mary Blaisdell, they were both very religious, Mm. very strict. They ran a really tight ship. Typical. Typical. No ankle showing. Say your prayers and say grace before our meals of... Porridge. Porridge, (laughs) exactly. Right. 
In August of 1799, on August 9th to be specific, Lydia got really sick. Mm. Probably a common cold, but to her it was like fever mm. and chills and she just was very ill. Yeah. She told her parents that she was hearing knocking just around the house. Weird. Specifically from the basement, but she couldn't quite pinpoint it. Mm. And in her haze of illness, she's just telling her parents, there's this knocking, it won't stop. Are you guys doing it? Sister, are you knocking? Quit that knocking. And then everyone in the house is like, Lydia, I don't know what you're talking about. It's probably the fever talking because you're ill. You're probably hallucinating. Right. Go back to bed. This was before they had Tylenol to reduce the fever. So they, I feel like back then they just were like, you're feverish. You're probably seeing horses wearing top hats. Just go to bed, you know, like until your fever is done. If it doesn't kill you, just sweat it out. We'll pump some water from the well to put a cool cloth on your forehead and that's it. Right, right. The knocking continued and in the next few months soon progressed to hearing a woman's voice. Mm. And still it's only Lydia. Mm -hmm. And she's just kind of, you know, it's annoying and it's a nuisance and she's getting pretty frustrated that nobody else is hearing it. And she might think she's going a little crazy. Mm. And then she starts hearing this voice. Mm. On January 2nd, 1800, Lydia's family reported now being able to hear the voice too. And because Abner Blaisdell was a proud man, he pretty much told his family to shut their holes and not tell a single soul what they heard because then everyone would think they're fucking nuts. They'd be probably cast as witches and that could lead to very bad things. As we know, go back and listen to our first set of Halloween episodes and find the Salem witch trials That happened about a hundred some odd years before this. And we all know what happened to people who were supposed to be witches. They all were hung. So he didn't want anyone to know that his whole family had heard voices. A, that his daughter had heard them at all. And that now it was like a whole family affair. Because he didn't want that to come back and like haunt his reputation. (laughs) Pun. Because that would be super embarrassing for his family. It would ruin like their business and all of that stuff. So he was like, everyone shut your holes. We're not talking about it. And then they tried to move on. Except it's hard to move on when it persists. The voice stated, quote, I'm the dead wife of Captain George Butler, born Nellie Hooper. Dun dun. So they still couldn't really figure out where the voice and the knocking was coming from. Sometimes it would change locations. Sometimes it would sound like it was right in the next room or maybe outside. But most of the time, it was coming from the basement. So creepy. So on this family trip down to the basement, because they're all probably going together, because they're probably like, you go down there. No, you go down there. Hmm. I'm not going down there, damn it. You go down there. So they all kind of went down together. Do you think basements were scary back then? Or is that a new thing? It might have been scary because I... In my mind, the basement was where they had the shelves of the preserved meats and the garden stuff, like the carrots fermenting and the herbs, and it was dark and there was only a light by a lantern. Okay, that does sound creepy. And definitely an unfinished basement. Oh, 100%. True. Go on, go on. The family all goes down into the basement, and all four of them... See, a ghost of a woman wearing a long white dress. Ooh. Crazy. The ghost said out loud, 
My name is Nellie Butler. And they were like, ugh, what the, what is happening right now? This apparition continued on, continued talking to everybody. (laughs) She's probably like, yeah, thank God. I've been trying to get your asses down here for months. Right. It's about damn time. (laughs) This apparition said that it was Lydia's destiny to marry George. Mind you, George was 29 years old at this time, and Lydia was 15. That is a touch inappropriate. Even in the year 1800. Yeah, it's a little appropriate. Yeah. Abner, especially, was like, I'm not going to let this pasty-ass translucent bitch tell me what to do with my teenage daughter. Right. Even though teenager back then was like a 55-year-old woman now. Right. This figure's not going to tell me what I'm going to do with my daughter. Right. I'm not signing off on this marriage. And so Nellie was like, all right, you do whatever you want, but I'm not going to shut up until I get what I want. And boy, was she not kidding. So after she, of course, was like, hey, just saying, Lydia's going to marry my husband. Yes, he's 14 years her senior. It doesn't matter. Love is love. Hashtag love is blind. Whatever. (laughs) She then talked about how she died. How tragic it was. You know, she lost her baby and then herself and she missed her husband. It was really sad. And then she demanded that the Blaisdell family send for her father, David Hooper. She was like, I don't care. I don't care. Get my dad here. And they were like, "Uh, yes, ma'am. You, okay. And so they sent for David Hooper. And I I mean, I guess when a ghost like tells you to get their dad, you just do it. You just listen and you do it. Because I think... I think I would also do that because that's, you get their dad. So when David arrived, he was super shocked and stunned and also overwhelmed with like a really weird, elated grief. Like, am I seeing my dead daughter right now? He is recorded as saying, and recorded as in like it's a written documented, that it gave, quote, such clear and irresistible tokens of her being the spirit of my own daughter as gave me no less satisfaction than admiration and delight. So he was very excited. He was also like uh, grief stricken. Like this is not real, but it is real. Like she's not coming back, but she's right here. I'm what do you make of this right now? You know, like she asked for me, that's my daughter, but she's dead. It's a, how do you deal with that? Right. That's not something you can process healthily. After Nellie was reunited with her dad, she took a bit of a hiatus and disappeared for a little while. Only a little while. Just long enough to kind of get people thinking and being like, what the hell was that? Before she reappeared. And up until this point, the only people who had heard or seen from the deceased mom was the Blaisdell family and David Hooper. That was it. Nobody had talked about it. They still were like, nobody speak of this incident. This is fucking nuts. We're going to be made fun of. Everyone's going to think we're lunatics. We're going to be hung at the stake because we are witches, whatever. Nellie reappeared again to the family. And she was like, I'm back, bitches. Bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Nellie, oh my gosh, we thought we appeased you. And she was like, psych, bitch. (laughs) Lydia. I hope you didn't forget about your destiny to marry George. Mm. Abner finally was like, oh my God, this ghost is for real. 
went to George's dad, Moses, and mm-hmm. was like, listen. And he still didn't give up the whole ghost in the basement thing. Mm-hmm. He just said, hey, Moses, it's God's will mm-hmm. that our children be married. Yeah. It's God's will. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. You can't defy God's will. Yeah. Lydia, meanwhile, was like, I'm not marrying a man that's almost twice my age. Mm-hmm. He's fine. I mean, he's nice enough. I've seen him around town. He's a sea captain. That's pretty dreamy, but he also has a long beard and it's like, I don't want to deal with that. I want the pimply, also 15-year-old that's in my class right? that sits across the schoolhouse from me because boys and girls sit separate. Right. <laughs> she is like, I'm not having this. Right. Nellie's ghost kept appearing and it got a little interesting and she was almost being a little polite in this way. She was only appearing to the family, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what the family wanted. That's perfect. Right. And she also started knocking to announce her presence. Like she would knock and then the family's like, oh, Nellie is another message. And then go down and she'd appear. Right. There was one incident where one of the Blaisdell children, Paul, was walking through a field on the family property when he saw a very strange looking woman dressed in all white floating towards him. And obviously it was Nellie. And before he even had a chance to react to her, say anything, say hi, scream, freak out, whatever, she disappeared. And he was like, whoa, that was weird. Like, I've never seen her outside of the basement. She's usually in the basement. She's usually just a voice, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he knew it was Nellie. The very next morning, Nellie knocked. She came. She appeared. And she spoke again. And she complained very loudly to the Blaisdell family that Paul had been, quote, so rude because he didn't say hi to her when she approached him. And she actually lectured the whole family. She was like, you always say hi to someone when they're approaching you, blah, blah, blah. And then after this, she disappeared for like two months. Clearly, she was really upset about their etiquette or something. But I thought that was so funny because I was like, this bitch is like, (laughs) she takes her time and she's not even like a spooky ghost. She's just like, forgets that she's a ghost and is like wandering around and is like, Hey y'all, why didn't you say hi to me yesterday in the hallway at school? Like, that's so mean, you know, (laughs) like what the fuck? (laughs) So random. So after hearing that it was God's will for George and Lydia to marry, George and his dad both came to the Blaisdell's house Mm. and they were like, Hey, we're going to talk to you a bit more about this. What do you mean it's God's will? Yeah. Who? Who? God who? (laughs) And so then they heard the knocking. And they were like, oh, that's so weird. It's one of the children downstairs. And the family kind of looked at each other and they're like, George, Moses, come to the basement with us. She's here. She's here. (laughs) God's will has arrived. (laughs) So they all go down to the basement. And Nellie appeared to both George and George's dad. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, sup, bitches. Hey, honey. <laughs> Long time no see, my man. Yeah, right? You gotta marry this 15-year-old. So now Lydia is like, okay, this ghost is really not going to give this up. George was like, oh, my honey, the love of my life, whatever you say, I've missed you so and then Nellie's dad was like, yeah, no, this is like, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. The only one that wasn't really down with the plan was Moses. Mm. And I think because he was, he owned the sawmill. So he was pretty wealthy. Oh, yeah. 
So I think that he, because he's the groom's dad, or maybe it's the bride's dad. I can't remember what it was. It, mm-hmm. I feel like it changes or fucking alternates. Right. But because he was the most well-off, he would probably be footing a lot of the bill for this wedding. Right. And he was like, I already paid for one wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying for another wedding to a 15-year-old that a ghost is authorizing. Right. And Lydia, to be honest, was also like, I don't know. I don't really want to get married to a man who feels pressured into proposing because of a ghost. Mm-hmm. Is he really into me or is it just because his dead ex-wife told him to date me? <laughs> right? Like, that's that's a little skeevy. Yeah. Even so, the rumor spread around town that perhaps George was going to court Lydia for whatever reason... And then it started to kind of come out around town that maybe the reason why George, widowed man of Nellie Butler, was going to marry Lydia Blaisdell, people started to hear that and they were like, that's interesting. What a weird combo. And then somehow word got out that maybe it was due to a ghost and the suggestive nature of a ghost. And so people were starting to hear this and they were like, yo, this is whack. And so then everyone started to imagine that maybe Lydia was making up this whole ghost thing to try and get George into her arms. And then this was, of course, because George's family was a little bit richer than the Blaisdell family. So if she married up, it would be a lot nicer life for her. And she was young. She was 15, 16. Georgie, Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie, he was in his 30s now. He was rich. And you know, what's better than marrying an older rich man? So people thought that she was making this up. And of course, this made her really mad because she was, who likes having a rumor spread about them? Like, that sucks. And so then she tried to skip town. She was like, screw this. I'm not feeling, I don't like these rumors. Like, it's not true. Like, Nellie Butler is a ghost and she's telling... She is telling me and her ex-husband to get married. I'm not making this up. I know it sounds cuckoo. And then she tried to skip town. Except Nellie caught her before she was leaving and said, you can try and leave, girl, but fate is fate. It's already sealed. Your fate's already sealed. You might as well stay. So Lydia stayed. So while rumors were beginning to fly about Lydia, rumors also somehow began to fly about the ghost in the Blaisdell's basement. And I wonder if Lydia, maybe in a fit of passion and self-defense, like you guys got the wrong girl, the rumors you really should be talking about are Nellie, Mm -hmm. because her ghost told me to do this. I'm not making this up. This is for real. And the ghost told me. Right. And so people are probably like, what? You crazy. That's crazy. So the Blaisdells were like, all right, guys, listen, you want to spread rumors about our family? Come and see for yourselves first. Mm -hmm. So they open up their home and they're like, come on, come on to the basement of the Blaisdells and Mm -hmm. see for yourself the miraculous apparition in the corner. Mm -hmm. So people were debating amongst themselves, like, no, this has to be real. I saw the ghost of my grandma once. And then to their friend and their friend's like, I, this ghost shit is the work of Satan. I don't believe this at all. So there are multiple people, like crowds are forming. Mm -hmm. Down the street, outside the house, and inside the basement, hoping to get a glimpse of Nellie Butler, the ghost. Right. Nellie 
would appear to those that came, but only really on her own volition. She would kind of feel it out and be like, oh, there's more believers in the crowd than non-believers. I'm going to show up Mm -hmm. or I'm in a bad mood because someone said that my husband was better off without me. So I'm not going to show up to these people because I'm irritable right now. Sure. Nellie would appear to people, right? Selectively. Sure. And she would just appear. And so people were like, wow, this is so crazy. I wonder how Nellie's been. And she would answer questions. Mm. She would talk to them and answer questions, Mm. which normally you'd see a ghost and it's just an apparition. It doesn't interact with you. Right. This one's doing a full interview. She's like, she loved talking. She's doing a whole ass Q&A. Yeah. She loves She's like, okay, yes, good question, Mary. Anybody else have any questions about being a ghost? John, back there with the red hat? Yes. Like, it's full-ass crowds, and she's just (laughs) chatting with them. It's nuts. And it was so interesting, too, because people would kind of talk amongst each other after, and half the crowd would say, wow, that was so crazy. I can't believe we saw Nellie Butler. Mm -hmm. She died in childbirth a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Her ghost appeared before her. She's answering questions. Mm -hmm. And the other half of the crowd is like, what are you guys talking about? I didn't see or hear anything. Yeah. And they were in the room with people who were seeing and interacting with the ghost of Nellie Butler. (laughs) So some people genuinely are like, no, I saw her. That was real. And then Mm -hmm. some people in the same room at the same time are like, why are you guys talking and pointing to a corner? (laughs) That would be me. (laughs) I would be in that crowd. One woman had said, quote, at first the apparition was a mere mass of light. Then it grew into a personal form about as tall as myself. And the glow from the apparition had a constant tremulous motion. At last, the personal form became shapeless, expanded every way, and then vanished in a moment. Hmm. After appearing before a crowd of people for the first time, Mm. Nellie did not appear again for four months. Wow, she got scared. She had a little stage fright. Aw. She appeared again after the four-month, you know, respite period in front of an audience of 20 townspeople. Wow. She got her confidence back. Mm-hmm. She spent a lot of time talking in the mirror, getting it back. Good for her. So while a lot of people did believe that Nellie was there because they saw it with their own eyes or they heard the stories or they heard her voice, whatever, there were some people who uh, weren't down with this whole idea. And that even actually included her own sister, Sally Wentworth. So even though her dad saw her and said, that was my baby girl, like I saw her, her sister, Sally, said, no, 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 no. Y'all are being fooled. This is so obviously the work of the devil, you idiots. Like, what else could explain this but the devil? You stupid, dumb, dumb heads. Someone once asked the ghost if her sister, Sally, was a good Christian, to which Nellie, the ghost, replied, she thinks she is. She thinks she is. Yep. And so, if I don't know if Sally found out that her sister said that about her, but man, she probably went home and held those rosaries in her mouth and did 86 Hail Marys. Like, she probably pooped her pants because that, you don't want to hear that from a ghost. Damn. Yeah. I know. Some of the non-believers were also so set in their mindset that this is not real. Mm. They... Also, we're like, this is the work of the devil. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the work of the devil. Maybe it's the work of witchcraft. Witches? Who among us is a witch? Lydia. The woman. 
The living woman, not the ghost woman. She's a ghost. But the woman who's alive? Witch. She's a witch and she's using the work of the devil to get the ghost's husband. So the devil and the witch are in cahoots. It all makes sense now. It all it all makes sense. And so everyone thought they had it all made out. They were a couple hundred years too late on the witchcraft thing, just a little. So it wasn't like they could bring her to the gallows or bring her to the town square where they had the hanging mechanism ready for the witch. They'd have to build a whole new one and that was like a lot of work, so they didn't, but they could have if they really wanted to, but they didn't, so. Yeah, they just kind of ran their mouths instead. Which is almost, in a way, as bad. Absolutely. Words hurt people, okay? But anyway. Eventually, Nellie had appeared to over a hundred people. That's a lot of written, documented sightings of a ghost. I will not lie. Yeah. And Nellie, too, was getting a little pissed off about these rumors. She was like, let's get straight to the point. You guys are accusing me of being the devil. You're accusing Lydia of being a witch. What you're not accusing these two people of is being sealed in fate to marry. When's the wedding? Let's get moving. We've yeah. got a great venue right here. Yeah. You can cater Mr. Thompson over there. And right. Let's right. get the flowers going. And when the fuck is this wedding? Right. Because that's all I want. She was really into getting her ex-husband married for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So she even, to dispel some of these rumors, because she was like, you guys have talked shit about me posthumously. You guys are talking shit about my girl Lydia over here, who's going to be my ex-husband's second wife. I will have none of it. Mm-hmm. Summon a crowd. Right. So the crowd gathers in the basement and mm-hmm. she appears and she starts reading these people to filth. Yeah. She is telling these people private information mm-hmm. about themselves, yeah. about herself, yeah. that not even the devil would know, apparently. Which who knows what the devil knows. Right. So that's interesting. She also was telling people about their own loved ones who had passed away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Mary... G, not you, Mary P, Mary G. Right. Your grandmother is up in heaven with me, and she loves the blanket that you just made with her quilting pattern. Right. And Mary G is like, it's a miracle. I did just make a blanket with her quilting pattern. You know, like, and that stuff is very interesting. Super interesting. Mm -hmm. And multiple people are there. Right. Not only having this happen to themselves, like having information about their dead loved ones being given to them Mm -hmm. by this apparition, Mm -hmm. but they're in the room with multiple other people seeing this happen to other people. Like people are falling to their knees. They're weeping. They're saying that this is not the work of the devil. This is the word of God now. And that if it's God's will for Lydia and George to get married, because this apparition knows so much Mm -hmm. and it has to be Nellie Butler because only Nellie Butler knows where she kept her diary. Right. Then it has to be Nellie Butler. Let them be married. Let them be fucking married. And so, they did get married. And once they did get married, Nellie was like, okay, this is perfect. George, you have a new, beautiful wife. Lydia, George is a sweetheart. You're going to love him. He is the best. He's so sweet. And by the way, I have an update on your future together. I do. I have an update. And George and Lydia are like, yeah, what is it, Nellie? Please do tell us. And Nellie's like, Lydia, darling, you're going to meet the same fate that I did. You're going to give birth and you're going to die. 
And then Lydia and George are like, sorry, let's just take a minute real quick. We're going to back up. Come again. And basically Nellie was telling the new couple that Lydia was going to fall pregnant and that she was going to literally meet the same fate that Nellie had. In Nellie's exact words, she stated, quote, be kind to your wife for she will not be with you long. She will have but one child and then die. Which is like, that's a bold statement and also kind of frightening for Lydia. And imagine Lydia's fear when not too long, obviously they didn't have pregnancy tests back then. A lot of women at this time found out they were pregnant by something called quickening, which is when they were far enough along in the pregnancy. If they weren't um, like regular in periods, people didn't really understand menstrual cycles super well back then. So cycles weren't like really exact. So relying off of a period wasn't a science. And unless she was like super thin and had a bulging, really round belly, which wasn't always reliable. Usually women discovered they were pregnant by quickening, which is the feeling of the fluttering of baby moving for the first time. So she probably didn't know she was pregnant for a few months, like four or five months. And imagine her fear when she finds out she is pregnant with child, first baby. And she remembers that Nellie told her she will have one child and then she will die. Can you imagine the fear? That's terrifying. The prophecy is being fulfilled. Right? Oh. Ten months after they were wed, Lydia gave birth to a little baby who then died. Mm. The day after a very difficult birth, mm. very reminiscent of Nellie's very difficult birth. Typical. Lydia died. Say what now? Oh, shit. George buried Lydia and the baby in unmarked graves at the edge of Butler's Point overlooking the water. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Next to the graves of Nellie and their baby. Ah. Uh. Perhaps as a trauma response to losing his second wife in the same way as he lost the first wife, and only because the ghost of his first wife told him to, he was grieving pretty hard. Sure. George took all of Lydia's belongings and put them on a burning raft that he pushed out to sea. I can. I once broke up with someone, and that's how I grieved their the loss of that relationship. Sure, I built a raft, and I put all of the clothes on it, and I burned it, and I pushed it to sea. <laughs> Just kidding. That's so weird. Super dramatic. Very dramatic. As the raft floated down the bay, it drifted past the Blaisdells' home. That was also shrouded in grief and mourning. Of course. And Lydia's dad, Abner, was probably looking out over the water. Like, oh. Mourning himself. Mourning himself and mourning the daughter. Right. Exactly. Lydia's dad literally sees this raft drift by that's mm -hmm. ablaze. Yeah. And he recognizes one of Lydia's articles of clothing. Right. And he's like, this asshole, what if I wanted, like, a scrap of my daughter's anything to remember my daughter by? Hello? So, after Lydia's predicted demise, Nellie continued to haunt the town for some time. The last recorded instance of Nellie was in July of 1806, so about seven-ish years after she made her very special first visit. 
Abraham Cummings was a well-known and highly respected minister who had lived in the area, and he had heard a lot of stories about this very famous ghost. And he was honestly kind of pissed at Nellie. He thought that his churchgoers were clinging too much to Nellie's, like, visits, her words, taking everything she said way too seriously, and that she was causing them all to cling to, quote, primitive superstitions. He did not like that. He really did not like that a ghost was becoming more godly than he was. Right. As a minister. Did not like that. So, when Abraham arrived at the Blaisdell home that warm July, he was surprised when he saw a glowing ball of light appear, only to watch in horror as it turned into the shape of a woman. Cummings admitted later that he felt he was extremely terrified, as you probably would be seeing a ghost for the first time, sure. But he also felt that his fear was mixed with, quote, ineffable pleasure. Probably as in, like, whoa, she's real. This is not so. It only took a few moments, but the ghostly figure vanished. And with that, Cummings was supposedly a changed man who believed that he really did see Nellie Butler that day. And he may have very well been the last one to see her. That was the last time anyone ever saw Nellie Butler, at least that was recorded and documented. George claimed that he saw Nellie one more time after this. Mm. He said that she appeared to him one night in his bedroom. Oh, And honestly, this could have been a bad dream. Yeah. Honestly. But this is what he's saying. He said he saw Nellie appear to him in his bedroom. And for lack of a historically accurate term, she ripped him a new one. Oh. She was telling him, you broke your promise. Mm. You told me on my deathbed Mm. that you would never remarry. And you remarried a 15-year-old. And he was like, but babe, I was doing what you told me to. Yeah. It's not cheating if you didn't know what, you know, something like a punk-ass bitch would say, you know? It's not cheating if I didn't kiss her on the mouth. It's not cheating if your ghost told me it was okay. Yeah, right? Poor George was probably so confused. Probably, right. Because he really, this whole time, he was doing what Nellie asked of him. Yeah. And actually, after this, he went on to marry a third time. Which I would not marry ever again if that happened to me twice. Right? I'd be like, nope, that's it for me. And then his third wife. Yeah. They had four children. Yeah. Four. And they all lived. Yeah. None of whom died after a really difficult traumatic childbirth. Which, honestly, if I was his wife... The first time I got pregnant, I'd be like, nope, no, no. And even if I was George, I'd be like, nope, no, no, no. We all know how this is going to end. And it's uh, it's not going to be good for, for you, honey, <laughs> or for me, because I'm going to be alone again. He probably every day would go out to his woodshed and work on that raft that he was going to build to put her stuff on. Right, in preparation for the childbirth. And then when the baby was born and they were all alive, he probably was like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh, this old thing. Don't worry about that, honey. I just want to take our boy on a trip when he's older on a fishing, on a trip. Oh, I'm so happy you're healthy. That's the first time it's happened. What now? Oh, you just lay in bed. I'll take care of the baby for now, honey buns. Why are you covered in dirt? What were you digging out there? (laughs) Oh, don't worry about it. (laughs) It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Just two graves. What? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) If you see those holes out there, just leave them alone. I thought we were losing a cow, but he, it's healed itself. You know, like what? 
In the end, though, all we really know about Nellie Butler is that she was a woman who died a tragic death giving birth to her child, who also died, and left behind a man who eventually went on to marry another woman who also died in childbirth, losing another child. And that is tragic. There are many stories of this ghost that are documented by enough townspeople that it's pretty convincing, I would say. I think it's so interesting that so many people can back up these accounts. Yeah. And so many people shared the same sightings and stories. And yeah, that happened. I was Mm -hmm. there. I witnessed it. There were 19 other people in the basement that saw the same thing. And either the whole town was in on it. And this is a really great practical joke. Hundreds of years old. Hundreds of years old. They were like, listen, we're going to turn a campfire story into written history, you guys. Let's do it. Be hilarious, honestly. Or it genuinely was a ghost that mm. everybody saw. But either way, it's regarded as America's first ghost story. Absolutely. And guys, we absolutely want to know what you think. A, do you believe in ghosts? It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you do. B, do you think Nellie Butler was real and was really haunting the Blaisdell family. Please tell us what you think for this spooky Halloween extravaganza, VIP, fun time, party time, absolutely crazy, VIP, party, 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 extravagant, TikTok time, VIP, TM episode. We want to know what you think. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. At true crime any. All lowercase. Or you can send us an email at truecrimeany at gmail.com. We also, of course, have a website, truecrimeny.com. You can go to our contact page and use our handy dandy submission tool to send us questions, comments, concerns, thoughts. Please, thoughts on this episode, this case. Go back and check out our other Halloween episodes. There are now Nine others that you can check out, which is crazy that we've been doing it this long. I know. And you could also use the handy dandy submission tool to send us cases you'd like to hear us cover. Honestly, if you guys are hearing this and you're getting inspired about other spooky Halloween extravaganza VIPTM cases that you could send us for Halloween episodes in the future, this is a really great time to do it because we like to plan out these things way in advance because we love Halloween here on Crime New England. Absolutely. You can be anonymous if you so choose. You can leave your name if you so choose. That's a great way to earn a shout out. You can scroll down a little further and hit our Buy Us a Coffee button that says thank you and go to our Buy Us a Coffee page where you can buy myself a coffee and Liz a non-coffee related beverageino. But at the end of the day, you do not have to spend any money on us whatsoever. We appreciate you being here and listening, especially during the spooky month of October where we do these really fun episodes for you guys. Absolutely. And if you do love us like you say you do and you don't have the money to spend on us, which is absolutely okay, we wish you wouldn't, please head on over to Spotify and give us a star rating or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a star rating and or a written review on top of that. We would appreciate it so very much because as much as you love us, we love you more. And with that, We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.